So we're beginning today this uh, afternoon practice, which we'll do every day, of a guided meditation in one of the four Brahma Viharas, or in English, the divine abidings. These are four states of mind that the Buddha talked about again and again in the texts as important to cultivate as an aid to our overall development in the Dharma. And these four qualities, we'll have time to explore uh, all of them for a little while in the month of February. Normally, if you go on a shorter retreat of seven days, you just have time to go through one. It's usually loving kindness. But because we have four weeks, we'll go through all four. We're going to spend more time on the first one, which is uh, loving kindness. The Pali word is uh, metta. Actually, we call it metta, but that's a mispronunciation. It's metta. So those of you who are living in the first dorm, you are in metta. It's even sweeter than metta, isn't it? Kind of has a nice ring. But because we're so used to the English word, well, I'll probably just call it metta. And the second of the four is compassion. The Pali word is karuna. The third is appreciative joy or mudita. And the fourth is equanimity or upeka. So we named these four residence halls after these divine abidings. We could have named them after the four noble truths, you know, dukkha and tanha, but <laughs> we thought that wouldn't be as appealing. So these are the four practices. The first three are very strong heart practices, which is loving kindness, compassion, and joy. The fourth is the balancing factor or a strengthening factor that's really the foundation for the other three. It's a cooler quality emotionally, but it's very important as a way to hold the opening of the heart. We really recommend these practices as a complement to the Vipassana practice. And some people will find they love these practices more than the insight practice. The Buddha talked about two kinds of disciples. He said there are those who are Dhamma followers, we could say wisdom types, and there are those who are faith followers, and you might say faith or heart types. In our tradition, the wisdom practice, the Dhamma practice, is Vipassana, this development of clear seeing of the way things are, and it's the one that frees the mind. The heart qualities are really important also for our development because they lend a sweet quality to our experience of life. And they give the mind the, you could say, the strength or the confidence or the buoyancy that lets us let go. And it's the letting go that opens us to insight. So the Vipassana practice and the Brahmavihara practices really support one another and make a good combination as we walk this whole path. So for the first two weeks of February, we're going to focus on the development of loving-kindness through the cultivation of this quality of metta. Metta, as many of you know, is a, is a kind of love that's not self-centered. So it's a kind of caring for ourself and others that isn't looking for something back. You know, with romantic love, there's a wish for something in return. And if that something isn't forthcoming, the romantic love tends to stop. But this altruistic caring of metta 
cares about others without putting strings on it, without asking for conditions. So we say sometimes it's an unconditional caring for ourselves and for others. It's intended to be developed and felt for all beings everywhere. We'll get to this point, but we'll work up to it. Traditionally, we work up to it through several different categories of individuals before we open to all beings everywhere. So we'll probably spend the first week and a half working with different individuals on the way to all beings. The recommendation is, with with all the Brahma Viharas, start where it's easy. Isn't that a nice relief? Vipassana, it often seems like we have to go into the hardest stuff first before we get to the dessert. But with the Ramaviharas, go where it's easiest first and use that as the foundation to work to where it's more difficult. So in the uh, teachings of the tradition, the person who it's generally easiest to care about is moi. So that's where we'll start. We'll start by sending the caring to ourselves. Then who's next easiest? Someone who's just been generally very kind to us. And this is the person that we're going to call the benefactor. So these are the two people that we'll bring into the meditation today, ourselves and the benefactor. And I'll explain each of them in a little detail how to practice with this. Even though it's said in the tradition that self is the easiest, often when we do this practice, we find self is the hardest. Because as we tend to feel caring or loving toward ourselves, all the reasons we're not lovable can come to the front. And objections come and reservations come and we hold back from a real sense of uh, tenderness for ourselves. So we want to put some extra time and effort into this developing of loving kindness for ourselves. And we'll recommend that you include it in every period, even as we go through the different categories up to all beings. So what is this quality and how do we develop it? It's basically, as you start to care for somebody, what you find is you hope for their welfare. That's kind of the essence of caring, is you wish for the person's welfare. And if you have a sincere wish that someone be well, whether it's yourself or another, that is the essence of loving kindness. So we'll develop this quality by repeating phrases that express that wish in different ways. So some of you may already have very established phrases for loving kindness. It's fine to use those. If you don't, then we'll recommend that you start with uh, some form of the traditional phrases. So there are four traditional phrases that are used to develop the sense of caring. They can be applied to you or to anybody. So the first is you take a look at the person's situation in life and you hope that they're not in danger. So how are we in danger? We can get harmed from outside or we could harm ourselves from within. You know, the difficult and dark places that our own minds go to are generally more harmful to us than 
what happens to us day by day from other people. So this wish for safety is felt by everyone and it applies to both external safety and internal safety. Second area that we look at is someone's overall sense of mental well-being. You could say their quality of happiness. So if you want yourself and your friends to be well, you wish for their mental well-being or their happiness. Third, you wish for their physical well-being. You hope that they're not ill or injured or suffering a lot of physical pain. And fourth, we hope that people find their way in the world easily. So in terms of making a living, being able to support yourself, having supportive relationships of friends and family, you hope that that goes well for people. So these are the four areas that the traditional phrases of loving kindness will cover. So as we get into the meditation, I'll suggest some different ways that you can say these four wishes. The nice thing about these four phrases that we'll offer in variation is they apply to everyone. They apply to all human beings and they apply to all non-human beings. You can think about the squirrels that you see running up the trees and you can wish these same four things for them. You can think about beings on other planes if that's part of your view of the cosmos and you can have these same four wishes for them. So they're very universal. And as you get familiar with the phrases and how they apply to every being, you start to see that we all really want the same things. All beings everywhere have these same basic wishes. And so this universal nature of our aspiration is something that joins us with all of life. So the practices of the Brahma Viharas are considered very uh, uniting. They take away all kinds of divisions. You know, divisions based on age or race or gender or class or part of the world that one lives in or ethnicity, even the differences between human and animal start to get worn away as we see we all want the same things. Safety, happiness, health, and ease. So these are the four things we'll focus on in the traditional phrases. And as I said, if you have phrases you're already comfortable with, you don't need to change them. But these four phrases are good phrases. They've been used for 2,500 years and they work. So they come with that endorsement. The feeling of loving kindness doesn't have to be a very strong one. Sometimes people think, well, if I'm going to be becoming more loving, I have to have a really strong, passionate feeling for someone to say that I feel loving kindness. But it's not like that. It can be a little flicker of just sincere caring. I just care that you're well. That's the beginning. It can grow to be much stronger, but it doesn't need to be. So as we do the meditation, which we'll do by repeating these four phrases again and again, don't try to push your heart into feeling anything. Trust in the practice and let whatever feeling comes, let it come. It will grow in its own due course. So we already, the head already puts a lot of pressure on the heart, you know, to feel certain emotions and not to feel others. In the loving-kindness practice, we want to give ourselves lots of 
care also. And part of that is don't put pressure on your heart. We start with the intention of caring and then the heart will do what it will. So just let it respond. And our role really is to listen. As we direct our intention in this very wholesome way, see how the heart responds. And it will respond differently at different times. So our job is not to control the feeling, but to listen and hear what's there. Okay, let's begin uh, the meditation. I'll give more instruction as we go. So please sit comfortably, even more than in the Vipassana practice. It's really helpful to be comfortable physically for the loving kindness. If that means sitting in a chair instead of on your cushion, that's fine. Although the uh, schedule says that we'll be here for an hour, that's to leave a little bit of time for questions at the end. So really, we'll generally do about a 45-minute intro plus sitting, and then some time for questions. And if there aren't any, we can move to walking. So please sit comfortably, be upright, be relaxed. Let your eyes gently close. Come first into your body, just feeling your body sitting on this pleasant, sunny afternoon in a safe environment where our only project will be to open up our hearts to ourselves and to others without any particular agenda, just exploring this possibility of caring. And so first, just to set a little bit of the flavor of loving kindness, just let yourself imagine all the different beings on the planet, human beings of the north and the south, from rich countries and poor countries, of the east and the west, and all the creatures of our planet, the birds of the air, creatures that live on the earth, and those in the rivers, the lakes, and the oceans. This vast range of sentient life, all looking for a measure of happiness all looking not to feel pain. Sending our wishes to all the beings of this planet. May all beings be safe and protected from harm. May all beings be happy. May all beings be healthy. 
May all beings live with ease. And then coming into your body and locating the area in the center of your chest. This is the area we'll call the heart center, just around the breastbone felt from inside area where we feel a lot of um, warmth and emotion. Resting the attention in the heart center, aware of any qualities of warmth that you find there. And this can be your avenue to connecting with yourself on the heart level, on the level of caring and feeling. So as you connect with yourself, get a sense of yourself as a person. A sense of who you are, your personality, your character. You may feel that through remembering situations in your life or just feeling yourself here and now, your body, your mood. And as you connect with yourself, remember some things that you like about yourself. If you asked a friend to describe you in a loving way, what would they say your strengths are? What have others said they appreciate about you? It could be your compassion, your warmth, your intelligence, or your sense of humor, or your love of nature, your creativity. We reflect on these good qualities because it's said that the way metta arises is by seeing what's beautiful in someone. So as we begin, we remind ourselves of our own beauty. And another way to connect with this is to remember some kind things that you've done for others. Doesn't have to be big things, but just remembering a few kind ways that you've reached out and helped someone or, or animals. Calling a friend who was ill. Taking good care of your children. Looking after an aging parent.
putting out food for the birds. And as you connect with these memories, then check in, what was your intention in those actions? What were you feeling when you did them? So we get this faith that the quality of caring is a natural one and is already in us, alive in us. We just want to bring it out and make it stronger. It's already there. So we begin with some confidence in our basic goodness. And with that confidence, we can send the wishes for well-being to ourselves first. So we can repeat toward ourselves the metaphrases, and I'll suggest a few alternatives. May I be safe and protected from harm. May I be happy. May I be healthy. May I live with ease. A very traditional way to say the same four phrases is translation from the Pali. May I be free from danger. May I have mental happiness. May I have physical happiness. May I take care of myself happily. or a longer form. May I be safe and protected from inner and outer harm. May I be happy and live with joy in the world. May my body support me with strength. May I live with the ease of well-being. So find some combination or variation of these phrases that has some meaning for you. And following the traditional phrases, you can find phrases that express something like safety, happiness, health, and ease. And then repeat those four phrases to yourself as the meditation.
And from time to time, after repeating a set of phrases, bring your attention back to the heart center and feel your body. Feel how it was to have wished yourself those things. Feel the echo of it. This coming back and touching the heart center will help keep the metta practice embodied. We want to be able to feel the loving kindness in the body so it's not just a mental event, not just a thought, but a felt sense of loving kindness. And then you can also start to notice as you say the phrases, what's the mood as you say them? Is there a feeling of caring or warmth? Is there resistance or aversion or annoyance? Is there any self-judgment or blame? Or is it fairly neutral? not much feeling. All of those are fine. We just trust in the phrases and notice what the feeling is. But beginning to make the feeling an interesting part of the meditation. Something that we tune into and notice. And then if you're ready, we'll go on to the benefactor. Sometimes people find that the directing the well-wishing to self is just what they want to stay with. And if that's the case, you can stay there longer. But if you're ready, we'll go on and move to this new person, the benefactor. Generally, the benefactor is someone who has been supportive of you who has been kind to you, maybe someone who's shown you the way. 
taken you under their wing or looked out for you. It could be a teacher, a mentor, aunt or uncle or grandparent. Could be an inspiring spiritual figure, even if you haven't met them. Someone that when you think of them, you automatically feel some affection, some respect, maybe some gratitude. So take a look around in your circle of people and see if there's anybody that you'd like to bring in in this benefactor category. Sometimes in our culture, there aren't sort of natural benefactors in our life. That happens for a lot of us. So in that case, you could choose a good friend or someone you respect, like Dalai Lama or Mother Teresa. Or another good benefactor is a child. If you have a child of your own who really opens your heart, or godson or goddaughter, granddaughter, grandson, niece or nephew. They can serve to open the heart through the benefactor category. Or some people like to use their pet as a benefactor because the pet opens the heart to a really unconditional sense of love. So see who you'd like to bring in and try in this category, preferably someone where the relationship isn't too complicated. There's a natural sense of affection and care. So choosing the person that you'll bring in as the benefactor. And as you choose them, get a clear sense of their being. You might uh, see an image of them, You might hear their voice. You could say their name. So that you feel that they're just here in the room with you. Very alive. And as you connect with them, remember what it is that you like about them so much. What are their lovable qualities? Or you might remember some ways that they've helped you. So with this sense of the goodness in the benefactor, getting in touch with your sincere wish that their life go well, 
Let things be good for them. And then expressing those wishes with the same phrases that you've used for yourself. May you too be safe and protected from harm. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you live with ease. Just continuing to repeat your metaphrases directed toward your benefactor.
try to stay connected to the sense of your benefactor's presence. Sometimes if the phrases are getting a little dry or impersonal, then renew your connection to the benefactor. Bring them to mind again, see their image, hear their voice. So you really feel the wishes are directed to this particular being. Remember that metta is not about necessarily feeling a strong emotion, so much as having a sincere wish for the other's welfare.
May all beings be safe from harm. May all beings be happy. May all beings be healthy. May all beings live with ease. So these are the bases of the loving-kindness practice. If you find it helpful, you can bring it in uh, throughout the day in any sitting. You could do 10, 15 minutes. You might take one sitting a day where you do the whole period of loving-kindness. It can be a very helpful um, soft mood softener. You know, Even as you're starting a Vipassana sit, just remembering that the intention is really to be kind and take care of ourselves can bring a softer attitude as we go into the mindfulness practice. So you can experiment a little bit with combining these. And we'll do a guided every day at this time and then bring it in throughout the day if it's helpful for you. So at this time, um, we have some time for questions. If there are any, a lot of you have heard and done a lot of metta instruction and practice and may prefer to go to walk. So if you'd like to just stay quiet and begin the walking, please feel free to go. If there are questions, we can take a few minutes for those. Yes. Um, could you speak, I have two. Uh, the second is just yes, no. Um, uh, could you speak a little bit about grace, being in grace, which is often the... About grace? Yes. May you live with ease. Yes, yes. Yes. So the question is, could I say something about grace and connected with ease? And the second is, are these being recorded? Uh, The second is easier. Some of them are being recorded. Um, Max is going to be here some afternoons and record, and they will be available. What I think we'll try to do is to record every time we add a new category. Like today we did self and benefactor. And we'll do this for a couple of days. So the instructions won't change so much for a couple of days. Then we'll add another category and another category. So we'll try to record the changes. Um, So most of it hopefully will be recorded. Grace is a word that um, isn't used a lot in Buddhism, but uh, I like the the answer that I think it was uh, Sasaki Roshi gave. He said something like, in regards to grace, God has already done his part and now the rest is up to us. So that's one angle. Another angle is that um, by putting our sincere energy into our practice, good things happen for reasons that we can't always explain. And so by setting the, the seeds of our good intentions, grace follows based on that. So I think this particular practice is a really good way to invite the quality of grace. Thank you. Yes. Um, traditionally, I enjoy bringing that to myself. It feels good. It feels nice. Um, however, right now, there's something I want so badly for my physical health mm-hmm. that um, when I do the four phrases and I um, 
which loving for my health. Um, and I'm actually generally healthy. I'm generally healthy, but there's something um, I really want for my physical health that um, instead of it feeling good, I feel myself constricting around it. Mm -hmm. like, not as attachment, but like mega attachment. And instead of feeling like, oh, I'm wishing this four phrases nicely, it's like um, I just feel like I'm bummed out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm wondering if um, you have any, and then even though it has to do with my physical health, maybe on a second part, you know, if it's actually, you don't have to address this, but this is part of it too. When I say like, oh, when I wish myself happiness or this, I know I, I also want to repeat to myself, maybe happy with things just as they are. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I notice uh, my wish for my physical health um, permeates towards others. And I'm wondering what you could do with constriction and attachment and that kind of stuff. Yeah, thank you. It's a good question. The question was, when she gets to the phrase for health, it really reminds her that there's something that she's concerned about about her health, that it brings up that worry more than bringing a feeling of caring. It brings up a certain amount of anxiety and, and worry and how to work with that. This can happen with any of the phrases, really. I've known people who, when they made the wish for safety, it brought up memories of all the times they didn't feel safe or all the ways in which they don't feel safe currently. And if it happens like that, it's better to find a different phrase. So either one cannot use that phrase on health, or one could use a phrase that's a little bit like what you suggested about letting things be the way they are. One phrase people have sometimes used is, may I live in harmony with this body or with my body. So that kind of lends the mind to just an acceptance of the way things are right now. So I'd suggest one of those two. Either find a phrase that really brings in that equanimity and opens you to the way things are, or just skip that phrase and focus on the other three. Either of those would be fine, and that's, that's more skillful. Yeah, thank you. I find a little hitch comes up in my mind when I wish all beings be safe, <laughs> because for all beings to be safe and happy, they need to eat each other. And um, hmm. this is sort of just... It seems maybe like a silly thing to think about, but it, I always find myself finding a little pitch there because the way things are is that life eats life. And, um, you know, sharks aren't going to be happy and healthy without eating other things. So, and I don't want to be opposed to the way things are either. Um, so could you speak to that, please? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Her comment was that when she wishes all beings to be well or happy, she reflects that many beings live by eating other beings. And for them to be happy, other beings die in the process, which is not a happy outcome. And yet this is the way things are. Uh, certainly in the, in the animal world, it's the way things are and how to reconcile with that. I mentioned in the introduction that this factor of equanimity is the necessary support for all the other Brahmaviharas. When we think about, you know, sharks eating baby seals, it brings out a, a worry, a reservation. It certainly can bring out compassion. So there are a couple of ways to go with it. One is to work with that situation and develop, you know, more trust in our own equanimity around it, that that's the way things are and there's no final resolution 
to that. The other is that when that Im- when an, if an image like that comes up, you switch from the metta practice to the compassion practice. So if an image comes of a shark eating a baby seal, you just move to compassion for at least the seal, but maybe the shark also. It's not a very nice way to make one's living. So one can have compassion for the shark that that's their DNA also. So sometimes when distressing situations come into metta, we hope we can hold them with equanimity, but if it's not quite steady, we can move to compassion at that point. And then turn consciously to think about beings who aren't harming other beings in order to be happy. So we change our lens a little bit. We change our focus. There's no, there's no logical resolution to the question that you're asking, but there's a practical solution. There are a few practical ways to work with it. So I would go the practical route with this one and see if your relationship to it changes over time. It is a, I mean, it's a heart-wrenching truth of life as animals. Thank you. Yes. Sure. But since I'm not initially in the Vipassana tradition, maybe you can address this if this is not the Francis Papa Pete. Mm-hmm. Um, when I do Mana or Hard Opening exercises, my mind, um, when it, it has a word resistance to adults sometimes. I'm sorry, resistant to? It has resistance to adults sometimes. Adults? Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, that's actually a really skillful thing to do. Her comment was that when she uh, sends loving kindness to adults, sometimes there's a resistance because the relationships are complicated, but if she sees them as children, a more pure form of caring can come across. Now, that's probably true for a lot of us. So a few things to say about that. One is... We have a special category, which we'll get to in about 10 days, called the difficult person, where we deliberately take a complicated relationship and see if we can feel this sincere caring for that person. And then if we can find it for one person like that, it shows us the possibility of finding it for other people like that. So there is value in staying with the difficult relationship as an adult, even if the metta isn't easy. So that's one possibility and one way to work. It's also fine to drop and see them as a child and let that purer form of metta come through. But we sort of acknowledge that some relationships are complicated. They're going to take a bit of work. And so we're going to put in the work and see if it can shift. This is one of the beautiful uses. Once we discover 
kind of the power of this tool of loving kindness, we can use the, the meditation, the formal meditation, to transform these complicated relationships. Because ordinarily the, you know, the wish for the other's happiness isn't the first thing on our mind when we relate to them. But we find if we can tune into their welfare and our wish for their welfare and kind of come from that place, it can completely change the quality of the relationship and then they start to feel it too. That's what's funny with these things is we change inwardly toward a difficult person they start to feel it and they change in relationship to us. So that's one way to go. A second way, as you mentioned, is to think of them as a child. Another way is to think of their suffering and it moves into a more of a compassion flavor than a meta flavor. You could still use the meta phrases, but you focus on their suffering or pain and what comes through is more compassion, but it's still a way to hold them. And the fourth, which is what I usually recommend, is go to someone easier. So at this point, if you're engaged and the person you bring in is complicated, go where it's simplest, benefactor, good friend, and we'll get to the difficult relationships a little later. Thank you, it's a great thing to work with. Maybe time for one more. Was there a question? Yes. question is, after repeating the phrases twice, he felt he was done. Should he keep repeating even though he doesn't really have much feeling with it? And the answer is, yeah. Uh, I did this practice, I've done this several times on six-week retreats, where this was all I did for six weeks, was repeat these phrases all day long, in sitting, in walking, in meals, in showering. Uh, The feeling keeps changing. That's the beauty of it. Impermanence manifests through this practice all the time. So it may go flat for a little while, but then it will wake up again and it'll get stronger and it'll get really strong and then it'll go flat again. And then we want to give up, but we just keep going and then it wakes up again and it gets strong again. So the kind of steadiness with keeping the phrases going is an interesting way to look at what the heart does with that because the heart keeps opening and closing. And it's one of the things we learn. I don't know of any heart that stays open all the time. So I think its rhythm is that it opens and there's meta feeling, then it closes for a while and things are neutral, and then we keep going and it opens again. So for me, it's really interesting watching the seasons of the heart as we just keep steady with our, with our effort in saying the phrases. And it becomes interesting to watch how how they change and how our response changes. Yeah, I encourage you to just try it. Just try it. Okay, so it's um, quarter to five. We have 30 minutes of walking before tea. And so I hope you'll take the metta with you as you walk. Walk happily. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.